We gotta go. Carlo needs our help. Let's go. Mary, Patricia Miola. Hi, honey. And I gotta get her pregnant, or we're all going to war. Is this right, or did I just wake up in Game of Thrones? Probably a son. You don't do this. The Miolas, they're gonna keep coming. They're gonna go after you. Jeez. Don't. They're gonna go after your friends. Daggers were my specialty. Of course, I was 14 years old. I was at the Y. And then they're gonna kill me. small town of Lake Elsinore, California, is suffering what many are calling an apocalyptic end-of-the-world type illness. Oh! Holy, is that you? Is your cousin back on meth? Are you guys seeing this? We are being chased by zombies! You are such a... Such a double standard when you use the B word. Zombies, what a crazy, stupid <laughs> day. Holy s! Here's your shine box. I don't think, I don't think this is going to help. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm your host, Mike, and with me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. How are you doing, Venom? Greetings and salutations, lovers of cannoli. How the hell are you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) I am doing pretty well. And I said I'm the host, but you're also the host, so I meant to say one-third of the hosting team. <laughs> I mean, I, I would never think... take offense to anything you say. <laughs> I would think by now the uh, listeners would recognize you. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, joining us, as always, as well, is Don and Ellie. How are you doing, Don? Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah, happy to be here. Also host, Don and Ellie. <laughs> Ah, all right. Well, today we are covering another VOD movie. Surprise, surprise. Theaters are still being opened uh, slowly but surely. And uh, until then, it's probably going to be at least a couple more weeks. And so we uh, picked another one that's been out there for a little bit. Tons. There's actually a lot, so um, but there is no shortage, despite not having theaters available to all of us. But we decided to do a movie called Witness Infection. It's labeled as a comedy horror, about 81 minutes, and the synopsis is as follows. Sometimes the past comes back to bite you. Okay. And then two rival mob families are transferred from the Witness Protection Agency by mistake to the same city, Temecula, California. That really tells you nothing about the movie other than um, maybe, well, that is mob related. (laughs) Isn't that actually technically the backstory to this? Not even the plot description? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I mean, that you know, not to be too spoiler or anything, but that's not even a plot description. That's the backstory. Exactly. If you yeah. just read that synopsis, you would you'd have no idea. You'd think this was a mob movie, a straight up mob movie, but that's okay. Yeah, pretty much. I don't see the the comedy aspect in that synopsis at all. But ah, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that coming up. So, general thoughts. We're going to start out as usual with Venom. What did you think of Witness Infection? Um, I actually had a really good time with this movie. It, it's um, it's not like side splitting funny by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like you know Mel Brooks meets zombies, which I guess would be uh, what Max Brooks, wouldn't it? Technically, ah, I made a funny. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's um, this was a movie that I I feel the opposite of this movie the way I felt about Slacks. If you guys remember when we reviewed Slacks a couple of weeks ago. I was very happy with the horror, the kills, the antagonists, the gore, stuff like that. But it was the comedy that left me a little flat. Now, I don't want to say that the horror necessarily in Witness Infection is flat, not by any stretch. But I do wish we would have gotten a little bit more zombie action. Um, Shaun of the Dead, this is not by any stretch as far as um, how it treats the undead necessarily. We, I just feel overall we didn't get a whole lot of zombies in a zombie comedy. Now, granted, this movie is short. As Mike said, it's only 81 minutes. But there, it, it felt like there was a long section of the second act where there was, like, no zombie action at all. It was all, you know, the dinner party and, and then, you know, going to see a rival boss. And it just, it was like little pepperings of uh, zombies for the first, I'd say, hour. And then, of course, we get a more balls-to-the-walls finale. But overall... Um, I, I, I had a really good time with this. The comedy worked so much more for me on this one than it did in Slacks. And I was kind of worried, too, because um, the first couple of scenes in this movie, which you'll hear during the uh, walkthrough, I didn't find it nearly that funny. I thought they were trying really hard. The, basically, the cold open and then the opening scene of the film, it just felt like generic, you know, just once again going for the easy laugh at the expense of Italian-Americans, blah, 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 blah. But then the movie definitely took a turn when we get to the first family's house, the Sorelli home uh, for a dinner party. At that point, that's where I started really having a good time. Um, the writing, as far as the comedy part of it was just a lot smarter at that point. Still offensive if you're Italian, I'm sure. But um, again, you know, parody is usually funny and we all know I'm a fan of parody. So yeah, like I said, this is the opposite of slacks. Um, really, really enjoyed the comedy, you know, throughout most of the film and the horror, you know, the, the gore is there, of course, it's a zombie movie, so we're going to get a lot of torn flesh and a lot of, you know, uh, body parts and blah, 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 so it's not like it's non-existent, I just really wish there was a little bit more of it to satisfy, you know, my little gore hound inside of me, but at least the comedy worked. So it's not like both aspects of this comedy horror left me flat. And again, I don't want to overstate that the horror left me flat. It didn't. It just, I, I just wish there was a tiny bit more, um, like I said, just to satisfy me. But yeah, overall, really good time. Um, this one gets a recommend from me. All right, Don, what did you think of Witness Infection? Uh, I'm pretty close to the on this one overall um i like like him I, I do think that the comedy to this one is not side splitting but it's just there's a light-hearted tone to it that just feels really engaging 
Um, you know, I do like, you know, the family members, this sort of like, you know, offshoot Corky Romano kind of a character who's not necessarily the, you know, brightest bulb in the family, but still willing to do anything for the mob. Uh, I do like the relationship he has with the, you know, everybody at the dog groomer's place, the, you know, the girl that he falls in love with and, you know, his best friend that he you know, sort of half works there, half owns the restaurant down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like him, I'm not really that as invested in the horror aspects of this one. I mean, like he said, there's two or three zombie, you know, horde swarming sequences, whatever you want to call it. You know, that's throughout the entire film. There's like a couple other little spurts here and there. And there's not a whole lot of it elsewhere throughout the film. And this is a, a zombie comedy. Like, where's the, you know, like they don't even really do anything funny with the zombies. They do, you know, one or two gags on, I think, turning into one. But beyond mm-hmm. that, there's like no real comedy with the zombies. It's, I mean, you know, thankfully it's played serious, so I, I do like that. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I think the horror to this is not necessarily necessarily as impressive as the as the comedy so it kind of feels a it, it feels much more like it was a mob comedy rather than a horror film and they just shoved zombies in from a different script but um i don't find that to be too detrimental i don't find that to be too like a, a damaging i guess you could say it, like i said it's still a lot of fun um the zombie action it does come off fun when it's there but you just want more of it the you know comedy's not side splitting but it's still fun enough to keep you invested so uh, i can really strong recommend not necessarily as great as it could have been but still worth the watch all right so for me i'm kind of because i know venom referenced slacks i was actually going to kind of compare it because this and slacks are probably the two major horror comedies this year i've seen i, I can't think of if i've seen like another one oh, bloody um, hell kind of kind of yeah yeah um so as far as witness infection i, I it's a light movie i agree it, it definitely feels like more uh like you know b-level mob drama with some comedy sprinkled in and then the horror like the zombie stuff it's there but it does kind of feel like it's thrown in i'm i'm not i i personally like slacks better than this one just overall but i you know i think this movie is just kind of light fair if you go into it not expecting obviously you know you're not getting scorsese (laughs) mafia here you're getting like you know a low budget a lot of the stereotypes the writing is not quite as good i do you know i do like the family uh aspect to all the characters it's it's a very familiar situation i guess if you're uh if you're any type of viewer of mafia or italian mob stuff overall uh whether it's tv shows or movies so you'll kind of be familiar with you know the setup of the situation which i kind of read as a synopsis just because that's what was on imdb um the zombie stuff we do get yeah there's some good i think uh practical makeup zombie effects and there's some some decent gore but 
I do think that the horror sometimes feels uh, like an afterthought. Uh, I mean, if if this movie's gonna have a major criticism for me, I just feel like it doesn't it doesn't do anything spectacular uh, with with comedy horrors or horror comedies. It's like if you get one of the two that really really is excellent, you know, you can kind of call it a wash and say, okay, it's good. But I just I don't know. To me, this movie, it wasn't great in either aspect. Probably the comedy, even though it was lighthearted, it was still probably done better. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's it's an all right movie. I just, I don't know. I feel like with, with a gimmick like this, I was hoping, I was going into it just hoping, like, it would be a little more over the top. And <laughs> But it, it's, it feels really reined in. And that just could be because, you know, it's a lower budget movie and they're trying to, you know, not go outside the scope of what they can do, but I don't know. It, it, it's okay. It's an okay well, movie. Well, there yeah. is one thing that there is one thing that could speak to that, which is something that we haven't brought up, and that is the voice cast, or I should say, voice actor led cast that this thing has. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I would imagine that trying to you know corral all of the people involved in this because. I'll be the first to admit I only know two of the people involved in the film by their names and not their faces. But based (laughs) on the research that I've done that I've done on this, uh, there's probably two or three people missing from this that would have every single voice actor from the '90s involved in this film. I mean, the only (laughs) one missing is um, uh, Rob Paulson and Tress McNeil. Because otherwise you have Maurice LaMarche, you have um, Tara Strong, yeah. Carlos Alazraki, yeah, and I think the 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 other girl, um, the girlfriend, uh, I think Gina? she's a voice actress too. Yeah, her. I think she's uh, a voice actress. Jill Jill Michelle Million. Yeah, I think she's she is as well. But okay, cool. Yeah, yeah Tara Strong, I'm film. familiar with. I, I knew um, the name, but I didn't know anything that she's worked on. Oh yeah, yeah, she's done a lot of kids' cartoons, and I, I'm I'm a completely immature adult, so I watch a lot of the stuff that she does voices on. So yeah, and plus I've met her at a convention uh, maybe six or seven years ago at this point, um, so I recognized her right away as as uh, Mr. Sorelli's wife. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> but. But yeah, um, my point would have been, you know, having all these people involved in the film, that probably would have taken up a lot of the budget to do all the wacky over-the-top stuff that they could have done. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Though one of the bigger complaints that I have about the film is that we don't actually get any mob-on-mob action. <laughs> like, all the mob stuff in the movie is, you know, the, the majority of it is a dinner party. And then pretty much the rest of it is just in, you know, in altercation um at a rival don's house so it's like i I wish i I wish they could have gotten me more actual like mob action shootouts um you know mob hits things like that stuff that could go wrong because of the zombie apocalypse which they do they give us a little taste of one scene with a couple of bumbling assassins um that actually i did find funny for whatever it's worth it's very physical comedy and it just kind of worked for me but I just would have liked to have seen a little bit more mob stuff. And obviously with a running time of, you know, an hour and 20 minutes, it seems like they could have easily just thrown a couple of minutes in there of, uh, you know, give, give me a, 
like give me a pre-zombie apocalypse mob scene where Mr. Sorelli and Mr. Miola are having like a you know a, a major sit down or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm being uh, stereotypical, but it's the kind of stuff I enjoy with these movies. Whereas um, I understand that the, ra- the the racial stereotyping of uh, Italian Americans in this one is obviously over the top parody, but I still would like to have seen maybe a little bit more clever stuff done around the whole Italian, you know, family versus Italian family thing. But like I said, it seems like they did okay in most, if not all, aspects of this film. It's just, you know, we see the room for improvement. You know, when you've watched enough of these movies, you can kind of see where they it could have gotten a little better, where the pacing maybe could have gotten a little better, where they could have peppered in more zombie action, things like that. So... You know, I, I definitely, it seems like I'm probably going to come in the highest on this one because I still enjoyed my time with it. I watched it twice this weekend. Um, I might have actually enjoyed it a little bit more on second watch, just knowing where uh, the road was taking me. Um, so I was able to appreciate a little bit more of the subtlety as opposed to getting frustrated because, folks, you know me, you know, I, I tend to get frustrated at really stupid characters. And at first, I thought I was really going to end up hating Dominic, who is the main um, protagonist brother in this film. But they ended up doing a little bit more than just a standard, you know, bully Italian living behind his father's shadow uh, stereotype. So, you know, I'll give the credit. uh, I'll give the film credit where credit's due. But it definitely seems they could they, they could have improved just a smidge on almost every aspect of the film. But, you know, overall, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think maybe a second watch would benefit it because once you kind of know uh, a little bit more of what to expect, uh, you can focus in on. I mean, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really dislike it. I just, I, you know, there were little pieces here and there where, you know, I, I saw the potential that this could have been like mm-hmm. really good, and it was just kind of like it kept kind of like a medium feeling throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it never quite, exactly. yeah. I never, it, it never got so bad that I was like bored or disinterested, but then it just never got so good that I was like, whoa, like this is turning into something, you know, way better than I thought. It was just, it just kind of kept that middle line all throughout it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously this movie was probably filmed during the pandemic. So, they, you know, they probably had those kind of limitations. Lord knows what kind of financial limitations they may have had, but um, I would like to see more from this team. And and what's funny is that the movie is actually written by two uh, characters in the film. Oh, should I say two actors who portray characters in this film? And specifically, that's Gina, the, the main female um, protagonist of the film. And then Mr. Sorelli, the patriarch of the main um, mob family that we follow throughout the film. So they actually wrote this film. So I'll give them a little bit of credit. Their acting was decent. You know, nobody's acting blows me away in this film, but nobody's acting was really cringeworthy either. Um, You can make an argument that a couple of Tara Strong's lines were not delivered expertly, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I, the movie gave me exactly what I expected. I mean, when when you tell me that it's a zombie comedy based around warring uh, Italian mob families, I, I'm in. And I don't expect much. And ultimately, this movie gave me maybe even a little bit more than I expected. So I'll give it its due. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, I'm pretty tech on general thoughts. So if you guys don't have anything, we can 
get to the spoilers. Yeah, yeah. This will be a quick one, man. This is uh, probably the shortest walkthrough I've ever written, so we'll probably have to fill in with some more discussion here because, uh, yeah, this is a quick Yeah, one. I mean, and the, <laughs> thing of this, the thing with this one, too, it's like it, it just feels like the story is kind of like very – I don't even know how to put it. It's, it's, I mean, it's color by numbers. There's not really, you know, it's not the most original thing out there. Yeah, I mean, not much could, plot you, to go over, really. Exactly. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, much like Godzilla versus Kong, this is a shut-your-brain-off movie and just enjoy it at face value. If you don't like it, then you're just not going to like it. What are you going to do? <laughs> All right, so what do you say we move on, right? You ready for our, our quickie little walkthrough? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. All right, so our movie opens up answering the lifelong question, what happens when an Italian stereotype and a hunting stereotype go out in the woods together? Okay, and I say that because our opening scene is exactly that. We have a stereotypical Italian you know, mob-connected character named Pauly, of all things. He's wearing a bright red tracksuit. Mind you, these guys are hunting, so they're, you know, one is very obviously dressed for camouflage and is taking it seriously. One guy just thought it would be a good idea to go out in the woods for a while. Um, we see the, the hunter and the Italian kind of get into a little bit of a, not a spat, but like a little bit of an argument over uh, a sandwich that the Italian is eating. It is uh, some kind of Italian sausage sandwich that, he's, that he claims as he's been eating all day, uh, that he loves these sandwiches. You know, they're from this food truck that's getting really popular in the area and that he's just been eating them like crazy. Well, of course, as expected, we start getting the toilet humor j jump in. We get, you know, the farts and the burps and the gurgling of the bellies and everything else. And, of course, it disgusts the hunter who ends up leaving the tent or the, you know, the shelter that they set up and uh, starts looking around, you know, for deer or something else to shoot, apparently. While he's away, our Italian stereotype is uh, he goes from burping and farting to actually like straining from some kind of pain. He starts getting, he very obviously starts getting pain in the midsection. The, the gurgling sounds continue even louder. Uh, we see him at one point open his eyes and they become bloodshot very quickly. Again, nothing that we haven't seen before. And um, we go back to our hunter who is stalking a very large buck that he happened to find on his travels. He's lining up the buck for what hopefully will be a kill shot. And just as he is about to pull the trigger, here comes Zombie Polly, fully transformed into a zombie. He attacks uh, the hunter, and unfortunately, we don't see that attack on screen. The camera pans off to the side and. Off to our title screen. So, uh, our opening scene of the of the major part of the film, anyway, after the cold open, we are we are introduced to Carlo, Gina, and Vince. They are three employees of the neighborhood dog grooming business. Carlo is the son of a mob boss uh, named Mr. Sorelli, um, but he's obviously, you know, as um, as Mike mentioned not really interested in any part of the family business, doesn't really want to be a part of an arranged marriage, which apparently is what's going on. Um, 
before I get to that, though, let's talk about Gina and Vince. Vince is basically, um, as Don mentioned earlier, he's a guy that somehow is working at this dog groomers, but also owns an Italian-owned Mexican restaurant down the street, um, who is basically going to war with these local food trucks. Um, I, I forget the name of the CC's, I think, were the name of the trucks. Um and basically, CC's, for whatever reason, was bringing in all this meat from New Jersey. Um, oh, and the reason this is all happening, the reason that we've got all these, uh, you know, mobsters in this one town is because, as Mike mentioned in the synopsis, uh, the FBI apparently has made a terrible error and has continuously sent uh, mob families who are in the witness protection program to this same town. So it's like they it's like they never left New Jersey. They're all in the same town. They're all still warring. Unfortunately, we don't really get to see a whole lot of that, but what are you going to do? All right. So like and then Gina, as we mentioned, is, you know, uh, probably a early 30s woman previously married, um working, you know, just kind of working at the dog groomers to make the ends meet. Her and Carlo obviously have some kind of unspoken thing because they obviously throw each other looks and they talk, they talk like they're a lot closer than just friends, but officially they do not have a relationship. So as I mentioned, Mr. Cirelli comes into the shop with his son, Dominic. Now Dominic comes in and he's once again, uh, Italian stereotype. <laughs> one, of, uh, one of the things that I found funny about this movie, which obviously is a very intentional decision, all the mafioso in this film have two outfits. They either have like dressy clothes for like dinner and going out or they have track suits. Yes. Every single goddamn Italian in this movie in every casual scene is wearing a different colored track suit, um, which I didn't even notice at first. Like even in the opening scene, I mentioned that Paulie has the bright red uh, tracksuit, and then it didn't dawn on me right away that every Italian in the movie has a tracksuit on. So, bravo there, guys. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, um, as I mentioned, uh, Mr. Sorelli has come to speak to his son, Carlo, who, like I said, doesn't want to be a part of the family. He lets him know that he needs him to come to the house tonight and propose to his rival's daughter. Uh, Mr. Miola is uh, the rival of Mr. Sorelli, and they have decided to have their son and daughter uh, get married and merge the families together. Now, what's funny is that uh, the girl, uh, Patricia Miola, is being forced to marry the younger son, Carlo, but she actually dated Dominic. Her and Dominic have actually been together, had a relationship. Dominic, of course, is the older brother. And did they actually say in the movie why Dominic can't marry her? I don't remember. Uh, he can't perform, I think. Oh, he can't give her a son. That's right. That was the whole point. <laughs> that Yeah, to get, get the daughter pregnant. You're right. So poor May Dominic. your first son be a masculine son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Thank you, Vita. <laughs> but yeah, uh, awesome. Uh, so uh, so as I said, as it ha I have now been informed, Dominic can't perform. So Carlo is has pretty much been drafted into this new position. Um, Carlo obviously seems like he's against it, but at the same time, you know, he understands the value of family and the bond that Italian families have. So he begrudgingly agrees and says, "I'll meet you at home later." Blah blah blah. So. 
as Carlo is on the way to his family's house, there's just a, a long montage of people eating sausages uh, from this CC's Italian truck um, that's all over the city here. Just montages upon montages of people eating. So you're going to see people eating sausage throughout this entire movie. Sausage sandwiches, sausage on pasta, just sausages everywhere. Um, almost sounds like a male porn, but no, no, it's still a horror comedy. So... Uh, when Carlo arrives at the house, he ends up getting um, butterflies. Well, I, I wouldn't even say cold feet or butterflies in his stomach. He basically just decides he doesn't want to marry to be arranged. He doesn't want to be a part of an arranged marriage. And he makes a scene at the family dinner. By the way, the family dinner is where I started to really get into the comedy here. Um, it's not quite like uh, the nutty professor type dinner scene, you know. But it has its moments, and th th this was the scene where I actually started laughing out loud. I, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, the, the first couple of scenes were a little frustrating more than anything. I thought I was just going to see the same old bullying Italians, uh, blah, 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 but no, they actually all turn out to be likable. Um, yeah, and just about everybody in this movie turns out to be fairly likable, even the ones that end up being antagonists. I mean, they end up playing their role well, so again, kudos to the filmmakers. So... Uh, when Carlo refuses to marry Patricia, Patricia storms out and um, says that she's going to call her father. Of course, Mr. Sorelli understands that this would mean war if he doesn't marry um, Mr. Miola's daughter. So he basically talks, tries to talk some sense into his son. He gives Carlo his wife's uh, wedding ring, um, Carlo's real mother, is passed away, unfortunately. And what's funny is that Tara Strong actually plays his stepmother, uh, Mrs. Sorelli, in this film, and she absolutely can't stand him. So, of course, we get, you know, some bits of comedy around that relationship. Um, and Carlo basically, you know, just doesn't want to do it. Dad's still trying to convince him. Carlo doesn't want to do it. And then finally, Carlo says... Well, you have to, or they're going to kill Dominic. Apparently, Dominic has gotten himself into some trouble with the Miola family. They don't really go into too many details, but, you know, uh, apparently there is a hit out on Dominic unless Carlo marries Patricia. So, obviously, as soon as he hears that, he realizes, well, okay, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to let my brother die. So, you know, he decides to marry Patricia, much to the dismay of Gina, who, as we've said, has kind of given hints that, you know, she's into Carlo. She even tells him the first time when he says that he doesn't want to marry Patricia, she gives him advice, um, you know, about want, being happy and, you know, the, the negative aspects of arranged marriages, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so at this point, um, we also get, at this point, we also get introduced to a running gag, which will end up being kind of a, a major plot point later, where Vince um, apparently constantly forgets to close doors behind him. Now, obviously, at the beginning of the movie, before there's any kind of zombie apocalypse, it's always in the context of comedy. Ha ha, it's funny. Um, obviously, remember that about Vince as the movie goes along. So, um, Carlo convinces Gina and Vince to go with him to Mr. Miola's house to try to explain that he just had cold feet and that he will marry Patricia. Um, on the ride there, Gina basically, in so many words, admits to Vince that she's in love with him, blah, blah, blah. That starts them kind of, you know, staring longingly at each other. 
Now, while they're driving to Mr. Miola's house, they're they're driving by multiple CC's Italian food trucks. And around every one of them, it literally looks like Dawn of the Dead. I mean, there there are shambling zombies just kind of walking around all the CCs. Because apparently, as we've all figured out by now, the sausages apparently are turning people into zombies. Now, these are a weird class of zombies. I know people are going to get into semantics. I don't care. This is It's a zombie movie. I don't really give a shit. But um, to be specific, these are not reanimated corpses. These people don't die and get back up. They eat these sausages, they are infected, and they turn into uh, flesh-eating ghouls, which, you know, it, it's definitely more the 28 days formula where, you know, same thing with the, the rage virus. It didn't actually kill people. It turned them into monsters. So keep that in mind as I continue calling this a zombie film. <laughs> anyway, as uh, just before they arrive to Mr. Miola's house, Someone throws the head of a deer at their car, slams right into the front of their car to the point where it actually gets stuck on the grill. And the head of this deer is literally on the head of the uh, the grill of this car for pretty much the whole movie. It it ends up turning into a little bit of a running gag, but not not one that they lean on too much, thankfully. So um, and this is where our heroes have their first interaction with actual zombies. They get out of the car to investigate uh, the deer head. They realize that the rest of the body is missing, then that they couldn't have just run over the head. Carlo goes off to the side of the road, sees a couple of guys bent over a carcass. Not sure He's not sure what they're doing. Of course, they stand up, and they are the zombies from the opening scene. It's the hunter and Polly. Apparently, they never left the spot uh, uh, where they were hunting. They're still out there in the woods, and they still got themselves a deer. So, nice one. Um, At this point, Carlo goes into Mr. Miola's by himself. Mr. Miola is obviously very pissed. Um, He hasn't had a chance to speak to his daughter yet, so he's not sure um, if, if everything has been worked out or not. But, of course, Mr. Miola assumes that Carlo is lying to him because of the information that he currently has from his daughter, that he backed out of the marriage and blah, blah, blah. Uh, He ends up not believing Carlo to the point where he's basically threatening his life and, you know, basically asking, give me a reason why I shouldn't kill you right here. At that point, Gina and Vince uh, go in. They were waiting out in the car at Carlos's request, but he also told them, if I'm not out in 15 minutes, you know, come in, guns a-blazing. Uh, They end up coming in, but unfortunately the bodyguards end up finding them before they actually are able to find Carlo and Mr. Miola. The bodyguards, of course, and and by the way, uh, as this scene was starting, it was set up that Mr. Miola and both his bodyguards were eating sausage from CeCe's. We see the bags and the containers all over the place. So um, once Gina and Vince are captured by the guards, they bring them over to Mr. Miola. Mr. Miola ties all three of our heroes to chairs. And as he's threatening the people in the chairs, telling them basically what's going to happen tonight, you are going to die this evening. We're going to throw your bodies in the lake or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, At that moment, Mr. Miola's bodyguards attack him from behind. They obviously bite him and turn them fairly quickly. It doesn't seem like it takes long for these zombies. It probably It's probably dependent on the amount of sausage that they eat, I would imagine, uh, because like the more dainty women who maybe don't eat as much, they, it took them longer to turn. 
Um, whereas the big guys who had large portions, like the priests who had like multiple portions of sausage at the dinner at Mr. Sorelli's, those guys change a lot quicker. So um, that's my little theory for the movie. Anyway, then we get the silly assassin scene that I was talking about earlier. We basically get a couple of assassins sitting in a car um, and they're talking about what they were sent to do. And um, one of the assassins basically says to the other, well, Mr. Miola told me to send a message. And then they, they basically spend the next couple of minutes trying to figure out what send a message means, as in, should we kill everybody at the party? Should we kill everyone except for one person so that they can go out and, and communicate the message that we just left? I, they, they're literally going back and forth. They're obviously idiotic. They're big, tough-looking guys, but obviously not a whole lot going on upstairs. Uh, they end up loading their guns. They're both dressed like, um, what do you call it, like Vince and what's-his-face in Pulp Fiction, you know, the black suits, black ties, uh, very uh, Reservoir Dogs as well. They end up, um, they're loading their guns in what looks like it's about to be a badass shootout, but literally before the, the hitmen even get into the Mr. Sorelli's house, they are attacked by a couple of little kid zombies outside, and apparently the little kid zombies take care of uh, the, uh, the assassins without issue, to the point where as soon as the assassins were attacked, they started screaming like little girls, and all of their machismo just went right out the window. So a little bit of comedy there. Not bad. I'll take it. All right. So at this point, our main three, Carlo, Vince, and Gina, are trying to find safe haven. They end up finding a bar that they frequent, that they usually frequent, but the door is locked. After an argument, they realize that the key is that there's a spare key hidden right under the mat. They go ahead and walk into the place, and Vince is the last one to walk in. Yeah, remember that. As they're in the bar, they're looking around to see if anybody's left alive. They can't find anybody, so they start to pour themselves drinks. But as they pour their drinks, out comes, and I, this is the best I could think of. I don't know if you guys actually heard what this woman's name was. The best I could come up with was Rosetta Vengeance. Was that actually your name? Because in the credits, she just comes up as Rose. But this is like a, um, a made-up uh, name. I think that was like the you know black exploitation name she wanted to call herself based on like the fourth wall breaking monologue she gives oh absolutely yeah i just don't know if i got yeah. the name right yeah I, i'm just saying i i think that was yeah because i know that was like the same thing i had because i couldn't remember her other than just based on that speech she gives exactly yeah which she gives basically when our three heroes break into this bar uh Rose, her real name is Rose, but of course, like I said, she named herself Rosetta Vengeance because it is now the zombie apocalypse. Um, she basically goes into a monologue about how she will not be the token black person in this story. It's such a meta moment, um, probably the most meta moment in this movie. She talks about how she will not be Dwayne Jones. She will not be Yafit Koto and Alien. And just listing like black actors from horror movies that didn't quite survive the whole film. And as she's um, spouting off all these references, Vince, who is an amateur filmmaker, um, it, he's just like giddy because he understands every single reference that she's making to the point where he's spitting out the movie as she's making them. You know, so that, that, again, a cool little moment. Uh, they end up, you know, um, Rose realizes that the three are not, you know, trying to attack her or take over the bar or anything. So they sit down and have a couple of drinks um, on... 
Unfortunately, Vince, of course, left the back door open when they came in. He forgot to close the damn door. And, of course, a bunch of zombies walk right into the wide-open door. Uh, they go into the main room of the bar. They attack our heroes. Fortunately, our heroes are able to kill every single one of them. And all four of our heroes are able to get out of the bar. Um, our three main heroes end up saying goodbye to Rose and leaving um, and basically what ends up happening, uh, or, or what's happening at the same time at the Sorelli house is, um, Patricia, who had earlier, you know, um, been told by Carlo that he didn't, didn't want to marry her. Apparently she's been in the bathroom this whole time. Um, at first everyone thought that she was hiding, you know, because of the heartbreak that, uh, well, the quote unquote heartbreak that she just felt. Uh, but apparently she actually has been in the bathroom getting sick. At one point, Dominic is able to talk his way into the bathroom, and they're both sitting there kind of reminiscing, and she's lamenting the fact that she can't find true love. Dominic is lamenting the fact that, you know, he can't do anything for her because of his condition, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, uh, Patricia ends up turning into a zombie right in front of him. She basically bends over to puke, and when she comes up from puking, she has fully transformed at this point, uh, Dominic tries to escape the bathroom. Unfortunately, he is bitten on the leg. He is bitten so hard on the leg that Patricia actually leaves a bunch of her teeth embedded in his leg. It actually pr looked pretty gnarly, so nice job there. Um, Mr. Sorelli shoots zombie Patricia, um, and she falls right back into the chair. Um, let's see. So eventually, Carlo does arrive at the house, um, when he arrives, he sees his former fiance uh, dead in the chair, in the, in the front room chair, but then he hears his father yelling for help. Carlo runs upstairs and he sees that Dominic has trapped his father in the shower stall. But as soon as Dominic sees that, uh, or as, as soon as zombie Dominic sees that Carlo has entered the room, he changes his focus on him and attacks um, his brother. Unfortunately, Carlo was about to attack Dominic, but at that exact moment, um, Mr. Sorelli yells out, don't hurt my son. And apparently not understanding that that wasn't your son anymore. But what ended up happening was Dominic gets the better of Carlo. He's able to get, um, <laughs> in MMA terms, he's able to get top position. He is on top of Carlo about to bite him. But then uh, Mr. Sorelli takes the toilet seat that, that apparently was yanked off the toilet during the scuffle, and he, he puts it around Dominic's neck and just starts pulling up and just pulling up, and it, it, it turns into a very painful-looking kill, because eventually, after about, I don't know, five to ten seconds of pulling, Dominic's head and part of his spine comes right out of his head, and uh, Mr. Sorelli falls backwards, and pretty much at that exact instant, literally as soon as he killed his own son, Mr. Sorelli succumbed to the virus. He went ahead and, um, you know, uh, he didn't really attack so much as um, he just kind of sat there staring at Carlo, at his other son, Carlo. Carlo remembered the family motto, and just before he shoots his father in the head, he says the motto, which is always leave one in the head. Um, of course, referring to, you know, double tapping your victims when you're in the mob, blah, blah, blah. So 
Um, at this point, uh, we go forward into the future two weeks. We have a two-week jump, and suddenly the outbreak is over. Literally, this outbreak was only a two-week outbreak. Um, basically, they were able to dispose of all the you know zombies. They don't really mention specifically if they were able to find a cure and and you know make these zombies human again or if they just flat out went out and just went zombie hunting and cleared the town but what ended up happening is the explanation that the news ends up giving is that somewhere in new jersey a mob boss who was mentioned earlier in the film by the name of tony morelli was actually killed um by the miolas and his body was ground into the sausage meat so basically, all as they were preparing the pork, they ended up grinding this mob boss into the sausage meat. And the way that they were caught um, was not by science, but apparently someone bit into one of the sausages and there were teeth in the sandwich, human teeth in the sandwich. And that, of course, exposed the meat company. And that's the explanation they give us. Now, they don't actually tell us. Like I said, they tell us very little about how they took care of the zombie apocalypse. Um, so that plot point's just kind of left dangling. We just have to accept that, well, it, it was the shortest zombie apocalypse in the history of man. And then, of course, our final scene shows Carlo proposing to Gina and finally giving her his mother's engagement ring. And our movie fades to black and we get credits. But wait, there's more. We actually end up with a couple uh, of mid-credits scenes. Uh, the first scene that we see is um, we see a hairdresser opening up a beauty salon. Um, there's people out on the street, cars driving by. So obviously the apocalypse is over. But this hairdresser starts hearing commotion in the back. You know, somebody, you know, tripping around, um, dropping boxes, things like that. And he decides to go back there to investigate, thinking that it's Philomena Sorelli, who, as we mentioned, played by Tara Strong, is Mr. Sorelli's new wife, his young trophy wife. Um, the employee goes to the back. He walks into the uh, women's bathroom, and he hears what, to anybody with half a brain, is very obviously a zombie struggling to get out of a toilet stall, but this guy, like a dumbass, decides to bend down and stick his head under the bottom. At that point, we get the confirmation that it is Mrs. Sorelli, who apparently has been stuck in this bathroom in this beauty salon for the last two weeks. Don't ask me the logic there because I can't figure it out, but whatever. Uh, we get the reveal that Philomena Sorelli is still alive as a zombie and is probably going to restart the zombie apocalypse all over again because she does attack and kill her employee. All right, and then we have one more tiny little, you know, epitaph, if you will, um, during the mid-credits. And what we get is we get a shot of Mrs. Morelli. And um, this isn't a character that we saw in the movie but we know who she is because of the dialogue that's going on next to her. Somebody actually calls her Mrs. Morelli. And don't forget, um, Tony Morelli was the mob boss that was ground up into the sausage. Someone says, hey, Mrs. Morelli, order up. And she hands someone a sausage sandwich. And she has, of course, that sly little grin on her face. Like, you know, maybe she ground somebody else um, into this sausage. And our, our movie fades to black. And that is Witness Infection 2021. Ah, I think they could have 
found someone better to be the woman at the end. You know, the <laughs> fact that we don't really Probably. see Mrs. Morelli, we know who she is because of the employee calling her that but it's like if you're not really paying close attention and you miss the name of the guy who got ground up into meat then that ending basically makes no sense but eh, i'll accept it like i said there's there's so many aspects of this movie that could have been improved upon and the ending is definitely one of them so there you go Our, a zombie movie with not a whole lot of zombie action but you know at least we got some laughs here and there i'll accept it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you said, it, you know, there's really only like two or three, maybe four scenes with zombies in it. So there's not a whole lot that they you can do with them, especially mm-hmm. with the running time. So, I mean, yeah, you could have, you know, put some more in. You could have given, you know, more in the bar. You could have done, you know, something else with them along the way rather than just, you know, shoehorning them around like 40, 40 five minutes into the film when they encounter the hunters from the very beginning you could have added something more in between but it's not like i'm you know like really shitting on the film i really had fun with it and you know it's a fun enough time that you don't really notice it's only afterwards that you really realize it so Mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely as i was watching it i was having a good time like i said with horror comedies the cringe factor is always very prevalent um and this time it totally worked, not totally as in it was the funniest thing I've seen. Um, you know, I already said that the first couple of scenes didn't really make me laugh all that much, though on the second watch they kind of did only because I knew who everybody was now. So it actually did um, make me chuckle a little bit on the second watch. But yeah, I, I, it's a cute little movie. I don't I'm not even sure how I can put it. I mean, it's it's mildly enjoyable. Um, it's got some fairly decent though low budget you know um zombie effects and then you know the kind of dangling plot line at the end of how the hell did they get out of this hole i mean they figured out what caused the apocalypse but no explanation whatsoever on how they cleared the city and made it livable again so especially in a two-week span uh it would have been nice to maybe see a little montage or something there but again you know, it, it's got its shortcomings, but I'm willing to forgive them because I had a decent time with the movie. And I guess I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I honestly just don't have a lot to add just because I don't think I just don't think the movie's terribly eventful in like mm-hmm. what happens during it. It's there's just not a lot to talk about. And Don, I actually think you like mentioned that like going in, when we were trying to like pick our next movie. Yeah, I mean, like, like I mean, ago, you were you were like, it's not bad. There just might not be a lot to talk about for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was saying. And I mean, who would have thought it? I was right. <laughs> Everybody has their moments. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Fun movie. I don't know how often I'll return to it. I, I, I don't know that it's going to be anytime soon, but at least I walked away having a decent time. I didn't dread the second watch like I sometimes do when I'm putting the walkthrough together, you know. Um, in fact, I was able to do the whole thing on double speed, so it, it was quick because, as Mike said, not really a whole lot of major plot points in this, you know. Uh, Italian family is warring, a zombie apocalypse happens, the apocalypse fucks up all the plans the zombie families had, and in this one, unlike many other zombie movies, the apocalypse is actually solved and ends, so... What do you, you know, there's not a whole lot to it, but at the same time, you know, you, you can't expect you can't expect Citizen Kane when you're going into a mob-based zombie movie. So 
I, I, I'm going to say it was just fun enough to make my time worth it. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not a movie I re like, it wasn't like a painful, uh, yeah. 80 minutes to sit through. Um, it's, pr- you know, it's not going to be a top 10 lister at the end of the year. Most likely. I mean, I don't even think it would mm, probably not <laughs> right now. You wouldn't even be on, on it, but, um, it's, it's not a bad time. Uh, it is on mine only because I haven't seen that much, but uh, I have no doubt about it that this will easily slip to honorable mentions by maybe the end of the month. Yeah, I barely I mean, it's barely top five for the week for me. I actually had a monumental week and watched a lot of decent movies. But I, like I said, for whatever it's worth, it's a turn your brain off horror comedy. Enjoy it at face value. Don't expect much. I mean, it's kind of like the reviews I'm reading for Godzilla versus King Kong and people calling, you know, the story fairly hollow. And it's like, dude, it's a movie about a giant monkey fighting a giant lizard. Did you actually expect Citizen Kane? Well, so there you go. (laughs) What do you say? Let's get out of here, Mike. Yeah, very true. Um, Exactly what you just said. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what am I? saying to respond to that like I, I lost my train of thought in like two words into it but anyways yeah so that's uh witness infection for this episode We're gonna wrap up both but uh venom we had something record since our last episode why don't you let everyone know what it is yes yes we finally after uh, a delay were able to record uh, episode number 30 of the main show, of course, No More Room in Hell. Uh, we looked at my picks this time, which I mentioned over the last couple of weeks uh, would be a couple of films from the Czech Republic. And as Mike mentioned, we recorded the, that episode this weekend, ended up having a very lively um burning questions segment i'm sure much to mike's dismay but it turns out i I think it's going to end up being good listening so i would imagine the episode will be available right around the same time this episode is available since there's a lot less production involved with the fresh cuts episode so i'd say look out for it um of course available on the dark discussions podcast network um as far as I go, most of my other shows have are, are still basically just looking for dates that we can get the multitude of hosts together involved. Underwater Kaiju, we're hoping to get something recorded in early May, potentially late April if we can get, you know, if, if the planets align for us. In the Mic of Madness, unfortunately, suffered, suffered yet another delay this week. Once again, the lovely Rebecca Reinhardt is very busy with all her independent film projects. And as we speak, she's actually in Pittsburgh um, at a convention um, talking about her latest film, The Embalmers. So um, so she's been very busy. So unfortunately, In the Mic of Madness has kind of taken a hit for it. But, you know, obviously, as soon as she's back and ready, we'll... Uh, we'll get a new episode out to everyone. Uh, theme Warriors, pretty much the same thing. We're just looking for a date where we can get together and uh, get all four of us together and uh, record this next episode. We haven't even picked the theme yet for it, so uh, there's still some discussion involved. Uh, the only other new thing that I have would be It's Not Horror Okay. We recorded an episode doing a commentary on the 1977 film Rolling Thunder. 
if anybody has ever seen that film, it is very depressing and not a very fun movie to do a commentary for. So if you are a fan of It's Not Horror, okay, please be very uh, aware that it was hard to find stuff to be funny about when we're talking about, you know, a movie where POWs are mistreated after they return home from the war you know, having to result to crime and just, you know, it just breaks your heart left and right. So, you know, be warned. It's it's not going to be the funniest episode ever, but still a great, great movie. It's a legitimately great drama. So even if you don't want to listen to the commentary and you're a fan, you know, of uh, those types of films, those late 70s dramas, um, I would highly recommend that one. And um, I think that's it for me, Mike. All right. Uh- uh, Don, do you have anything coming down the pipeline? Nothing, Don? <laughs> Don's got nothing. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I think I was. Yeah. Uh, no worries. Yeah. No, um, actually, like, just. just as soon as he called me, there was a call on the house line, so I was trying to wait for that to finish. But, um,. Yeah, very awkward timing. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I have uh, nothing else. Um, Venom mentioned it. Underwater Kaiju is uh, trying to come together for a date now. Now that we've got uh, something planned for that. Um, same with Graveyard Ship. We've got uh, plans to do something, but we're just waiting on dates to get everything together. So, yeah, we're I'm basically just uh, waiting around, trying to get everybody's schedule as open as mine is. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, as far as I go, it's basically what Venom just um, already said. And let's see, for the remainder of April, I think we are trying to put together a new episode of Theme Warriors, We're trying to figure out scheduling for that due to like everyone having pretty busy weekends the rest of the way out. So um, if, if we can get that figured out, we'll be recording another episode of that. Uh, you already mentioned No More Room in Hell. Next one, besides the one that's already going to be releasing soon, the mm-hmm. following one after that is probably early May. Um, yeah. yeah. And then as far as I go, yeah, I can't think of anything else. I The guest spots I've done were have been mentioned in past episodes, so... Um, if you didn't hear that episode, I was on 22 Shots for the Evil Dead franchise. Um, really fun. If, if you're interested in hearing about those movies again, I guess, <laughs> you can uh, check that one out. Um, I was actually on 22 Shots with Watson. He was he was on there, too. So, yeah, that's going to do it for me. Uh, Venom, are you, is there something else coming out in the theater this week that's horror that you'll end up seeing by chance? I don't remember, no, because Mortal Kombat was supposed to come out this week, but they postponed it a week, so it's now the 23rd. Not that that really has any bearing on this show. Unless it turns there, out to be is, the most violent thing I've ever seen, then we is might. Is there a reason for that? Like, did they I have why? no idea. Yeah, because it, it was going to open uh, the 16th, which was the day before my birthday, which would have been perfect. Um, but for no real reason, they postponed it another week. Don't know why, but it's I still have the same old thing. What's that? I know why. 
it's because I'm getting uh, my second COVID shot on the 15th. And they're like, man, what if he's not feeling very good oh, on geez. the next day? Uh, we don't want to watch it with a fever. So, yeah, not up. I mean, there might, there might be other reasons too, but I'm sure they factored that in. I, I, I've been to the theater multiple times. I haven't even gotten my first shot yet. So, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I don't think, to my knowledge, I don't think there's anything opening in the theaters. Um, it seems like The Power, um, a recent release on Shudder, is getting a lot of good press. I'm trying to avoid reading that press, but from the little bits that I've accidentally caught, it seems like a lot of people are giving it a lot of praise. So that seems like the obvious choice. You know, we love our Shudder movies here, um, unless something else pops up. But nothing else comes to mind right now. All right. Well, in that case, uh, looks like we might be VOD for another couple of weeks. But uh, theaters, like Venom already stated, he's back at the theater. And then for me, it's it's coming up hot in a few weeks, May 7th. So... I'm looking forward to seeing something. I, at this point, I frankly don't... Like, I'll even go just to see even any genre, really. Not that I only watch horror in the theater anyway, um, but, uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of itching to go. And Yeah, that's basically what I've been doing. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to see something pretty much every weekend, since there wasn't anything even remotely horror last week other than The Unholy. Um, I went and saw that, uh, that nobody movie and had an absolute blast. So much fun. I mean, oh, yeah, such great things about it. Yeah. And they, they're all warranted. It was, it, it's, it's the sheer definition of a shut your brain off and just enjoy people getting shot left and right. It's just great. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm expecting to get like a, some type of email from Regal soon about my unlimited reactive or, you know, the little monthly thing yeah. reactivating because both other times they were trying to reopen i would get an email saying okay it's gonna reactivate this month and then like two days later nope never mind ah, so <laughs> amc gave me a free month uh, of their a list for for you know a thank you for sticking around i guess so, yeah they they might do that and i know i know initially when everything closed down they ended up not because like i think it was like in the middle of a month so like they're like okay we're not going to charge for the month because you guys basically only got a half a month out of it but mm -hmm. you know this is over a year ago now so i don't know exactly what they're gonna do once it reactivates but i know for sure it said yeah once once at least they're being kind and saying whatever theater you designate as like your home theater they'll wait for that specific theater open before they start reactivating your subscription. Uh, They're not going to pull like that. Well, Hey, there's a regal, uh, 45 minutes from you. That's technically your city, quote unquote, you know? So that's cool. Um, but yeah, it's going to do it for this episode of fresh cuts. Uh, we'll be back in a week with something else. I know, uh, I think army of the dead drops this week, doesn't it? Is no, it the trailer week? drops today. And oh, then the, it's just a trailer, okay. Yeah, the trailer drops today as we record. Well, it's been out all day. I, of course, have avoided it. Um, the movie drops next month on Netflix. Yeah, I almost yes. feel like I don't need to see a trailer. It's a Zack Snyder zombie yeah. movie. <laughs> so it's like, I, I already know how it's going to look, even though I'm not watching the, the trailer. Like, I have a good idea of, like, what my eyes would be witnessing just from his style and aesthetic. Um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's been and, new stuff dropping everywhere. So, 
And uh, Netflix is synonymous for letting their filmmakers pretty much do what they want from the onset. So I'm sure we won't be getting the uh, the Snyder cut of Army of the Dead in two or three years. So that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Give yeah. us the cut now. If Netflix is going to let, let the film drop on physical media to begin with. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah. All right, listeners. Well, thanks for uh, joining for the episode. We'll catch you next time. And uh, let's say bye. Later. Arriva Terci, pasta bazul, cavagul. Was that racist enough? <laughs> <laughs>